HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at surreyfarms.com. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com Boys, I'm mellow a honeydew Yeah That cat is high Look that look in his eye Oh man, he's high Yes, higher than a kite Welcome back to the Speakeasy I'm your host, Damon Bolte in the studio today, we have a couple of friends returning from a previous show. We have Janet and Avery Glasser from Bitterman's. Welcome back to the show, guys. It's really good to uh, really good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having us back. And uh, you know, last time you were on, we talked about your uh, your uh, line of spirits or uh, your line of bitters and uh, how you got started with it and how you got started making it. But now, in fact, you do have a line of spirits uh, that just released just came out uh just a few weeks ago yeah and i'm I'm glad to have been one of the first people to try it try it out and play around with it yeah one of the first bars to also have it there everything available for people to taste so yeah perfect awesome um so yeah last time uh last time you were on the show it's been uh since this summer uh of course Mm -hmm. today is like a very much different type of day (laughs) it's a good day to be here in the studio with the heat on, drinking some beer and talking about spirits. And drinking some spirits, as yeah. it were. Um, so let's get started in on it. Um, first of all, you've got five different, four different spirits and one uh, well, tonic. Five different spirits. Yeah, yeah, they, it, they, all it, have, it have they all have hooks, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, yeah no, uh, yeah, so. What was, the, uh, what was the first spirit that you started working on? Well, actually, the, the first spirit that we started working on, uh, you know, let, let's turn the Wayback Machine back a, a sure. couple of months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we were here last time, we talked a little bit about, about uh, Amoria Margo, which mm-hmm. is uh, a bar program that uh, 
Janet and I had, uh, you know, sort of uh, in joking passing with the owner of, of the space where the bar is now uh, said, you know, hey, it would be a good space to have a, uh, you know, a, a spirits ta- or a bitters tasting room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time, the person who was the beverage director for the whole space, uh, Meyer Subarau, who was uh, on the show last week, was on the show last week, a very good friend of ours. Yeah, he filled in because uh, we unfortunately were called out of town. Um you know, he was the beverage director, and he, you know, as we've been making bitters for a long time, he's been making liqueurs for a while, and really had come up with some great, great, great ideas. Um, as we were working in the bar, you know, we started saying, well, there's some flavors that we want, which we don't have access to, either because, you know, they're historical flavors that aren't being produced the same way anymore, or they're being uh, produced in Europe, but they're not coming over legally. And it started a longer conversation about... You know, it's time for us to start thinking about going beyond, well, uh, going beyond tincture bitters, you know, stuff you use in drops and dashes and start thinking about, well, what about bitter liqueurs? Sure. So, yeah, the first... But we're not necessarily talking about, like, Amaro's or Amari or for, like... sort of. I mean, if if you think about it, what we're doing, they really are a new family of American Amari. Uh, sure. The biggest difference between what we're doing and classic Amari is most classic Amari are brown, and they're brown because they add burnt caramel to it. And uh, there's nothing wrong with burnt caramel. Uh, I like it in certain applications, but what we found is that uh, if you're creating a liqueur designed both to be something that you can drink on its own and that can be used in cocktails, you know, that burnt caramel just starts becoming a dominating flavor. So if you pull that out, you can get access to so much more flavor in the liqueur. So, yeah, they are sort of Amari. Yeah. So, so back to the question that you had originally asked, what was the first thing that we worked on? Uh, the first thing that we worked on was a gentian, a gentian liqueur, uh, which is now the Amer Sauvage. Uh, you know, one of the, the ingredients that, you know, a lot of bartenders have liked playing with uh, gentian liqueurs. You know, the most you know well-known one is a product called Suze. Uh, I think it's, well, it was designed in France, made in Switzerland, and made in France again. Um, it was available in the U.S. for a short period of time, uh, and then no longer uh, was available, though it looks like it may be coming back now. You know, we work with a lot of gentian at Bitterman's. You know, we have gentian in the base of almost every product that we work with because it's sort of the mother bitter. It's that That's nice. Your yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's the primary European bitter root. It was the only thing they had before quassia and quinine, which were South American. So historically, before people started bringing back these barks, you know, from the Amazon region, that's what was bitter for them. It was either hops or gentian. Um and there's lots of beautiful artisanal gentian liqueurs all throughout uh, southern France, northern uh, northern Italy, southern Germany, all in the Alpine region. So we started, you know, uh, you know, we always loved the flavor. So, you know, working, you know, at that point with Meyer, we we said let's let's take the idea of what was done and do something that's ours. So I mean, it's you can't make a gentian without. You know, people comparing it to Sue's, and you can't, uh, you know, we can't say that we weren't at some point inspired by it, but we've tried sure. to do something different. Sure. I mean, it's obviously you, you wouldn't want to recreate the same thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I, I, you know, had all the products, they're awesome. They're definitely unique to their own label. 
And it's, you know, like with a lot of gentian liqueurs, you know, traditionally they're either drunk, you know, with like a little bit of water or seltzer or, or even just neat on the rocks. And, uh, and I think it's really cool that this one, to me, is a lot smoother than like a Sue's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's we we've it's smoother, interesting because we've gone in the opposite direction of where the commercial gentians are going. the The commercial gentian liqueurs are going lower proof, higher sugar, and in a strange way, it they're removing they're reducing the amount of gentian in it, mm-hmm. and it's making it taste astringent. Right. And by increasing the amount of gentian, it makes a big full mouthfeel, even though our sugar content is lower and our alcohol content is higher. You know, it still creates a more, uh, a more complete mouthfeel. Yeah. And it plays really well in cocktails as oh, well. Yeah. You know, and, and with, like you were just saying, you know, like when I was, last time I was in Europe, there was so many different styles and I wish I would have been able to, you know, load up my suitcases, <laughs> but, and it, it was really just one of those things where you just couldn't find anything like that here for the longest time. And, I mean, now you've got a whole entire line of these types of products. And, you know, especially right now, you know, the most exciting time for us, like for me being a bartender, I'm just, and also just a spirits enthusiast, I'm just extremely excited to, to have these products at my fingertips. Um, so you started out with this one, the Gentian, and then the next one. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, we had started off with the Gentian and, uh, you know, Meyer had been making a uh, an Amer Fleur de Beer for a while, and uh, we had been tasting people on that. And his, you know, Amer Fleur de Beer, you know, a number of bars had, you know, had tasted it and really liked what he was doing with that. Um, it was a complete chance trip of one of the principals from uh, Chartreuse in France coming by and stopping by at the bar when we happened to have some samples of that and the Gentian, and they tasted it. And they said, "This is good." I mean. We make a gentian. This is really good. Nice. <laughs> that made us think, well, maybe we should think about turning this into a product. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that started a, an interesting uh, multi-month process of trying to figure out how the government... We had already sort of figured out how to do non-beverage alcohol. Beverage okay. alcohol, a lot more challenging. <laughs> Lots more red tape. Oh, yeah. So, so um, can you explain a little bit what about uh, Amerifleur de Beer as a style? Yep, I feel like I'm doing all the talking here, but you know, uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm the geek on this stuff. So in Strasbourg, uh, if you're in Alsace, you know, there's a type of liqueur, actually two types of liqueurs there, which are, um, which are relatively common. And one of them is called a Florida beer. And there's a lot of different things that are Florida beer. Uh, it's a grain distillate sometimes it's distilled beer i mean originally it was distilled beer i don't know if it's always distilled beer anymore spiced with a little bit of you know uh bitter orange a little bit of uh um, ginger and some exotic spices uh usually not sweetened served at about uh 40 percent alcohol then they took that added uh a lot of burnt sugar to it dropping the alcohol level down into the 20s uh, and that became an Amer Florida beer or a bitter Florida beer. The most common one that people know, again, we're not trying to do replicas, is Amer Picon. Okay. And what uh, Meyer, Janet, and I set off to do was to reinvent the style 
a little bit. So we are not a Florida beer, and we're not an Amer Florida beer. We're actually somewhere in the middle. So we are, you know, spiced with the classic bitter orange, gentian, you know, rhubarb, a whole you know range of about fifteen different herbs. Uh, we are thirty percent alcohol, so a little bit lower than a classic uh, Florida beer. Uh, we do sweeten, but we're not sweetening sweetening with uh, burnt caramel anymore. So it's pale, which means that the fruit flavor comes out more. So it's when people say, oh, is it a, you know, is it a knockoff of anything that exists? No, yeah. it's it's a somewhere in the middle ground between two classic, you know, French German styles. Yeah. And, you know, looking at your line, it's it's obvious, you know, just seeing that the color of the products, it's definitely different from any any kind of American or any kind of other Amar. You know, it's it's really cool, and that makes a really cool uh, presentation when you use it in cocktails. You know, when when you make like uh, a Brooklyn with this product, you know, cl- the classic Brooklyn, it comes out a lot lighter than you know if you use Americone, and it just it's got a really cool presentation. You can actually see through it, and it's not you know it's not not so dark that you can't see like the cherry in it. You know, and it's it's a really cool presentation. Thanks. Yeah. yeah so that was uh. Yeah, that's those two. The, the which is the uh, the Amer Nouvelle, mm-hmm. that's that is, and the Amer Sauvage, and we can get into why everything's named a little bit cryptically uh, <laughs> after we finish this beer and start on the next one. Um, so those are the two that are the most familiar flavor profiles uh, for people who have you know collector of spirits or you know world travelers. Uh, we have one which is the uh, Iver Amer, uh, which is. Uh, it was a mistake. It was a fun mistake. Uh, when we were making prototypes, uh, we were up at the distillery and uh, in all the chaos of putting everything together, uh, we missed, we missed a, decim- a decimal point. <laughs> and a cinnamon. Yeah. And, and we created something that was extraordinarily cinnamony. Uh, and it was right before Tales of the Cocktail. We said, well, you know, we've got a few bottles of it. Let's bring it. We're going to meet with distributors. We're going to meet with people. Let's, let's get an idea of, of what people think. And uh, they liked it. The first people came to us saying, oh, yeah, you know, add it to mold wine, do it for, you know, holiday cocktails. Sure. So we thought, okay, well, we'll do it as a as a winter varietal. And then a couple of tiki bartenders were like, hey, yeah, exactly. this is like mm-hmm. bitter, alcoholy cinnamon bark syrup. We like this. So we, we played around with the formulation. Uh, so it is definitely based on the Amer Nouvelle, but there's been such wide changes uh, to the formula since then, uh, and created something that is really sort of unique uh, as a nice sort of winter spice, tiki spice uh, liqueur. I mean, you've had it. What? Oh, uh, yeah. I love it. I, I've been using it, you know, recently in, in punches. Uh, I actually like to put some in my rooibos tea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, I like to throw it into Manhattan. It's sure, just a nice totally. little extra hit in the Manhattan. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that's there. We also, um, I had said, I want to make a Fernet. You know, I want to make an American Fernet based on, <laughs> you know, American, you know, classic flavors. And I did a lot of research and uh, came up with what I thought was going to be a brilliant idea. Uh, and boy, was I wrong. It, it, it Nothing went, like Fernet at all. No, no. It was a... Uh, <laughs> The flavors were not balanced. The you know mint was sort of sticking out flavor wise, and everything just seemed sort of odd. So I started stripping flavors back, trying to find 
you know, there's something interesting in here, but it's just cluttered. So started pulling out ingredients and pulling out ingredients and pulling out ingredients and ended up with something that had a lot of grapefruit in it. I was going, Mm -hmm. huh, grapefruit's an interesting flavor. You know, we we do the hop grapefruit uh, bitters and, you know, we really enjoy playing with grapefruit and it's a difficult flavor because it's so sort of ephemeral. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you think grapefruit tastes really grapefruity, but it really doesn't. It's really sort of thin. There's not a lot of flavor behind it. So we had this sort of odd, cloudy, pink, very grapefruity, but very, very bitter because there was enough gentian in it, you know, designed for, you know, a frenetti type thing. So it was very, very bitter and very, very grapefruity. It had the sort of the texture of grapefruit and it had, you know, more bitterness than grapefruit and it was not sweet at all. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's see, you know, tried it. I was like, I, I I really like where this is. Then you know, made a Collins out of it, made, yeah. you know, threw it in in a... Uh, Hemingway daiquiri? Yeah, Hemingway mm-hmm. daiquiri, you know, threw it in instead of a triple sec and a margarita. margarita. Right. And it just, it's it worked. And when we started giving it to distributors, it was funny because we'd have that bottle sitting on the table and everyone would be tasting everything else. And they would keep on reaching for the Citron Sauvage and pouring glasses of it. And drinking, pouring another glass and drinking. And before they had realized that they were drinking a lot of it, it was just something they kept on wanting to go back to. So, you know what? It may not be the prettiest thing because it's cloudy. Um, Mm. But, hey, so is Nagori Saki, and people love that. So, (laughs) what what the hell? Let's put it out there. And, you know, it it worked. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's, you know, I I don't really know of any other products on the market that are like it. And using it in applications like you just explained, it's really, really cool. I mean, I I like to use grapefruit bitters in my gin and tonic. And it's nice even just dashing a little bit of that because it's, you know, I, I, I usually put a little bit of maraschino. I know we've shared this. Yeah, uh, maraschino and a gin and tonic, beautiful thing. Yeah, with grapefruit bitters. And this almost has like kind of a similar uh, similar profile, but you stay, you're like saving a step, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just put the liqueur in. You've got the gentian. You've got the grapefruit. You get the best of both worlds. So it's really cool. It's a really cool product. Uh, we should take a break real quick. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about uh, some of the other applications we can use these products for also there's one more to go and then we'll get into a little bit more cocktail geeky all right back in a moment in muskogee we don't take our trips on lsd we don't burn our draft cards down on main street because we like living right being free We don't make a party out of loving But we like holding hands and pitching woo We don't let our hair grow long and shaggy Like the hippies out in San Francisco do Squares can have a ball. We still wave old glory down at the courthouse. And white lightning still the biggest thrill of all. Leather boots are still in style for manly footwear. 
Beads and Roman sandals won't be seen And football's still the roughest thing on campus And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. In the studio today, we have old friends of the show, Avery and Janet Glasser from Bitterman's. We are talking about their new line of spirits that has just been released a few weeks ago. And we've covered Gentian. We've covered uh, a mare, fluted beer style. We've, uh, we've, we've talked about the, uh, the, the, the citrus the cinnamon the, and the, the cinnamon. And Which, by the way, the two of those, the cinnamon and the citrus together, oh, of course, makes of a course. great riff on a Don's mix. Nice, yeah. We because we were talking about the the whole uh, the tiki like uh, tie in, which is awesome. Um, which actually, you know, out of uh, all of your bitters and like citrates and then the spirits, you've got like you've got to put out a, a, a cocktail book soon because you've got <laughs> enough combinations there where you can fill up. At least a couple hundred pages. Yeah, all of our distributors are asking for that too. So our our, uh, our cocktail list is becoming long enough that you know we might just have to publish a small uh, you know a small book to just sort of feature ideas for people so they can start playing and coming up with ideas of their own. You know, it's always good to have. You know, there was one bartender who had who had said when it came to these liqueurs the first time he tasted them. He was having a hard time of thinking about how to plug them into his existing templates mm-hmm. for drinks. I was like, okay, maybe it's time for us to start working on some new templates then. You know, some new ways to look at things because we're not trying, again, we're not trying to replicate what's old. Yeah. And I think it's working well. Totally new products. I mean, obviously, you take cues from like, you know, obviously it's a grapefruit liqueur, but there's so much more to it, you know? And just like, that's, you know, when you start looking at cocktails, you start thinking about like, I mean, I think about a brown derby just off the top of my head. I'm like, Ooh. oh, dude, brown, like a stirred brown derby with a little bit of like honey syrup, and you know, I, it would. I think it'd be killer. I'm going to try that now when I want to get <laughs> back to my bar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, but uh, as far as that goes, too, like we were, we left the show talking about uh, uh, gin and tonics, and uh, with with the citrus, uh, and the, the it, you know, and I think you could really put any of your liqueurs into a gin and tonic and they would work really well. But what's really interesting on the subject of tonics is that you have a tonic syrup. That's the fifth one out of the line so yeah. far. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Janet and I, you know, we, we've been lucky enough to, to travel around the world and, uh, for, with my, with my old job. And, uh, you know, we spent a little bit of time living in Spain where they've really elevated the gin and tonic to an art form. I mean, you can go to, to, Bars there where they've got sixty different gins, five different tonics, a slew of garnic, you know, garnishes, and it's they pair. Take it seriously, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, coming back to the states, yeah, it's. I'm trying to be very careful with my words here, so I don't (laughs) sound harsher than I normally do on the subject. Um, The problem is that, you know, when we went to open up the bar program, there wasn't a tonic water that was doing what I wanted. Sure. Um, if I could have had, you know, Schweppes Indian tonic here in the States, mm-hmm. there's a very good chance we never would have come up with the tonic liqueur, but we couldn't. So, you know, again, a sort of collaboration because, uh, Meyer had made a tonic tincture, an alcohol free sort of, uh, quinine, uh, you know, quinine tincture. Uh, and we said, well, yeah, that's interesting, but I bet you we could pull a lot more flavor out if we start using alcohol. So we started off with the idea of, oh, you know, before we ever thought about doing 
you know, liqueurs to do a tonic tincture or tonic bitter that was alcohol fortified, stable, you know, pulled it all out. And they said, well, you know, honestly, why put so many steps into the process? We can turn it into a liqueur and sweeten it and end up with something that, you know, makes a damn good gin and tonic, you know, especially because once you say, well, if it's going into a gin and tonic and it's 21% alcohol and you're mixing it, you know, four to one to six to one, you're not diluting as much and you're getting great tonic flavor. And, you know, so that was, that was very, you know, that was fun, but more and more, we're just enjoying it on its own as a, uh, as a liqueur. And I guess more people did because we just found out that we won a uh, bronze medal in the New York International Spirits Competition. Congratulations. For the Commonwealth Tonic. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, so it's... I like it by itself. I do too. Just Actually, I've been itself. experimenting <laughs> with it like in, uh, in, you know, small to large doses in cocktails and uh, you know, non-sparkling cocktails. And it's really cool. Mm. Yeah, like, I mean, because you get like a strong hit of citrus, but really nice bitter flavors. It's really, yeah. it's a beautiful combination. But it's not too, too bitter. So it's drinkable. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. And, you know, especially like talking about gin and tonics and, and you know, like Spanish style gin and tonics where they're, we're starting to see like a comeback of the gin and tonic because it's not just, you know, crappy tonic out of a gun and whatever well gin and then a couple of hard limes, you know, that have been sitting out all day. It's, I really, I really like, uh, and I always reference this, uh, Toby Chikini's book, uh, Cosmopolitan. There's a part in the very big, pretty close to the beginning of the book where he's talking about the ritual of making gin and tonics with his dad and you know all the steps involved in making it like the right way and i think it's really cool that um like you're saying like four to six or four to one or six to one uh in your gin and tonic i mean i like i like one part gin to seven parts tonic water but uh what's cool about that is like you can actually make your gin and tonic lighter since the tonic syrup has alcohol in it you can really like start balancing out and you're kind of like more in control of a gin and tonic. It becomes more of a like a cocktail rather than a highball, yeah. you know. And at that point, you can start using. I like using your grapefruit bitters in my gin and tonics. Yeah, so, oh, so do we. It's you know, for me, it's ounce and a half of a good London dry gin, half an ounce to three quarters of an ounce of the Commonwealth uh, tonic liqueur, a uh, couple of dashes of maraschino, and a couple of dashes of the hop grapefruit bitters. And that to me is. And then, well, of course, you need soda water, and we usually do about, you know, four ounces. Yeah. Yeah, uh, with three to four ounces, and that's perfect for me. It's awesome. Um, so, like like I was saying, you know, you've got you've got a whole slew of bitters and, and, and uh, citrates. I've been really a fan of the spice cranberry cream citrate lately. I've been playing around a lot with that. Um, and it's possible to make all these things now because you just moved into a new facility in Dumbo. Yes. Which is cool. So that must be great for you guys. I know you you probably miss Red Hook, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we kind of do miss Red Hook a little. Bit. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. awesome. We the miss, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, we miss Fort Defiance. We miss having Fort Defiance <laughs> yeah. a block away from our old facility. That's 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 the hardest thing to lose. Uh, but yeah, no, we've got a beautiful space in Dumbo now. Uh, yeah, we didn't get it because of the view, but you you saw it today. It's it got a great, great view. view. <laughs> great view. Yeah, once you get beyond the power plant, it's it's really. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, uh, I mean, you, you had to move because you're expanding so quickly, especially with the spirits. I mean, but also you've got all the experimental series, which, you know, uh, of the bitters I've been really a big fan of and shrubs, uh, you know, the, the hellfire and the celery shrub. Um, you've, you got a lot more work cut out for you now and mm-hmm. you just, uh, you're working on distribution. Yeah. I mean, it's right now we're working, let's see, we've got pallets getting ready to go out to where Jan's 
Scotland and China. Yep. Yeah. Shanghai. Uh, we just ship, well, we're getting ready for our first shipments to our distributor in uh, Louisiana. And we're, you know, we're, we've got distributors in pretty much every state except for New York. New York, we're self-distributing mm-hmm. still, which is, uh, which is a challenge. New York distributors, if you're listening, call <laughs> or return the calls, please. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. It just seems, you know, that we've hit that point of confluence and now it's just, you know, we've got coverage all throughout the EU through most of the U.S., uh, Singapore, Indonesia, now into Shanghai, uh, and it's just Australia. Growing. Oh, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, can't forget them. Hi, guys. Way far away. Yeah, way far. Yeah, 42 <laughs> days by boat, uh, the pallet that's now slowly moving its way out there towards Australia. <laughs> Yeah, it must be. Uh, it must be pretty exciting for you guys. I mean, I would be completely excited if I were you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, we it's, are. Yeah, it's extraordinarily exciting, especially when you get a phone call from people saying, "Hi, we need your fumigation certificate that the pallets that you're sending everything to Australia on are fumigated." <laughs> okay, let me call the producer of the pallets and find out if they are fumigated. Yes, they they were fumigated, but you know, it's all these new rules and regulations that we find as we go international and then multiply that by a hundred. Uh, and that's what we have to deal with on the spirits. Uh, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, you know, we've got a lot more red tape to go through and, and with the spirits and with the, uh, and it's, it's so different from state to state with different distributors too. It's just like, man, it must be crazy. Well, it's even the problems before we could get to the state to state issues, which, the state-to-state issues, it's just paperwork. You just got to know what to, to yeah. file and do it. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to name one of my ulcers, you know, after <laughs> the TTV process of, of the naming for all of our products. They originally probably all had different names yeah, in we had, the beginning. Yeah, we had printed labels. We had had approvals in hand. And then we wow. were notified that, oh, they shouldn't have approved the names. Uh, originally, the Amer Nouvelle was going to be called Amer American because... It's an American Amer. And they said, no, we are rejecting the name. And the reason being that there is a hemorrhoid cream that contains benzocaine called Americane. And they were afraid that someone might confuse (laughs) our big 375 milliliter bottle of spirits. With a tube. Yeah, with with a two ounce tube of ointment. Wow. (laughs) Well, they could always try and... For that, they can shove that bottle up their ass. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, these, you know, those are things you know, when, when you think that everything, you know, all the formulation issues and getting the formulas registered was really fast and everything. And, you know, we have a great artist in, uh, in Strasbourg, actually, who did. Yeah, the I, I, was, the I was looking at the labels and they're, they're beautiful, man. You've been getting a lot of uh, great compliments on your, on your bottle labels. So, yeah. I mean, like, I, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the artist and how you got hooked up with them. Uh, actually, uh, she's uh, an amazing artist you know she's a a comic book artist photographer model watercolor tattoo artist artist. we have tattoo work from her uh you know we had met her just sort of through random you know people that you meet uh years ago and uh when we moved to uh to spain i commissioned her to do i say commissioned it was like you know a hundred dollar commission to do a little watercolor you know to be waiting in the new apartment when we got there uh since it was close to our anniversary so it was a nice little thing that we had waiting for us there And then ever since then, yeah, we won, not this year, but last year when we went out to Germany for Oktoberfest, we drove over there and got some great tattoo work done. And then when uh, we were uh, just thinking about the liqueurs, we were on her tattoo website and she had come up with a, 
you know, a, a set of, it's funny, sacrilegious tattoos. And one of them was like, <laughs> you know, the Mother Mary holding onto a sloth. They're like, I, I don't have something for this, but I... Uh, but I, I want to use it. Yeah. <laughs> we must use it. So, so we so asked... So we replaced the sloth. Yeah, with a with bottle. A bottle. <laughs> and that's the one for the Commonwealth. And then it sort of nice. came to the idea of saying, well... Yeah, it's different from other people, what anyone else is doing for their label design. But what if we decide to carry on the idea of the figure study in, you know, with different scenes around different repre- details yeah, different, for each flavor? Yeah. yeah. So for the for the gentian, which can't be called a gentian because you can't use the word gentian, even though it's made from gentian and that's the primary <laughs> ingredient, um, has, you know, has yellow flowers around the head, which, you know, gentian has you know, yellow flowers. Um, you know, the, the Hever, you know, the Hever, because it's a winter, you know, has her in a parka. Mittens, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, we, we had fun with that. But yeah, it's a, yeah, naming was a challenge. And, you know, when they come back at the last minute and say, no, you can't use this name that we approved. Sorry that you printed all these labels for it. And but. then it's kind of like 20 questions because they won't tell you what you can say. They will only tell you what you can't say. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So yeah. you have to keep asking them, how about this word? How about this word? Oh, How man. about this word? So you start, you know, sending in like 10 different variants of the labels, hoping they'll approve one of them. Because otherwise you go back to the beginning of the line and you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. You know, it's, and, you know, by the way, to anyone from the TTB who's listening, I'm not criticizing you guys individually. We love <laughs> working with you. Uh, we just know that it's, you know, there are processes you have to follow so that you're fair to everyone. And, you know, we unfortunately got hit on the wrong side of it. <laughs> <laughs> But well, now it's all good. Now it's all good. Yeah, but it's yeah, exactly. It sounds like you're you're like in the swing of things, and you've. I know you've got a lot more tricks up your sleeve coming up soon. Um, we yeah, yeah, we you smelled a couple of them today. Yeah, yeah. We, we won't get into that. We won't get into that. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounds like you're in the swing of things. Like it's really cool just to see you guys as friends and as as colleagues in the scene. Um, to see the the bitters come from those little tiny blue bottles with the white labels with like handwriting on them. To the bigger bottles that were brown, that were printed like label maker labels. Back to the blue. <laughs> Back to the blue. Then, you know, another step we won't mention. Then, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> now you've got liqueurs, and it's really cool. I love seeing, like, everything that you've developed uh, since I've known you has been really cool, and it's been really exciting and very useful and appreciated by bartenders everywhere. And... Uh, can I make a quick mention of where you can find the liquor? Yeah, online? absolutely. Sorry, I, not to be self-promoting, but you know, no, we are on a radio show here. For. <laughs> um, if you are looking for the spirits, uh, Drink Up New York can distribute to uh, 46 states throughout the country. So drinkupny.com, drink uh, Astor Wines and Spirits in Manhattan has them. Uh, we just found out that Cask uh, in San Francisco has yeah. it. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Amy. <laughs> So we have, uh, you know, we have a growing list. Uh, the first product going to Massachusetts, which is one of the states where you can't directly ship it into, uh, the pallet should arrive today. So hopefully it'll start making it out to stores within the next few days. Texas, which is another direct ship state issue, uh, will be January 1. So we already cool. have our distributor there and we are preparing our shipment for them so that we can launch in the new year. Cool. And again, you, you better plug your website. <laughs> Bittermans.com. And from there, you can go to uh, spirits.bittermans.com. Uh, B-I-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-S. Cool. Well, again, it's been awesome to have you on the show again. And I, I can't wait to have you on with the uh, the next round of developments. And uh, 
yeah, think it's time to go. Should be something interesting coming out in a, yeah, in a month or so, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's time to go bigger and, and better, and you guys always do it. So uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, and uh, tune in next week where we'll have uh, bartender and author Jim Meehan on. Friend of yours as well. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. This has been the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. Cheers. Now when you see him stumbling up and down the street, you know that cat's been drinking, got no shoes upon his feet, man he's high, I said that cat is high. The following is a message from Jones Family Farms. Jones Family Farms is a 400-acre working farm offering quality agricultural products all year round, from fresh summer berries to Christmas trees in the winter, and an award-winning winery that is open from April to December. The reach of the Jones Family Farms is hard to capture, from their advocacy work, through the Working Lands Alliance, to ongoing classes in the Harvest Kitchen. Jones Family Farms is as passionate about education as it is about farming. Whether you're picking fresh strawberries or exploring local wines, we hope you're inspired to learn more about Connecticut farming. Visit www.jonesfamilyfarms.com for more information.